What's going on, family? Happy Monday, happy President's Day, and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you had a great weekend, and for many of you, you might have today off here in the States. If you're around the world, it's just probably another day, and either way, it's all good. We had so much happen in the world of pro wrestling this weekend, and we're going to get into all of it, or as much as we possibly can. First, as always, thank you so much for your continued support for all things faction related whether you're following us on the socials at the faction show on instagram facebook and twitter or if you are subscribed to our podcast all of these things mean the world to us of course you can check us out in the places you're listening to us right now spotify apple google all of those places you can check us out and if you're not subscribed go ahead and click the subscribe button it's a great thing for you to do and I certainly would appreciate that our whole team would appreciate you doing that and if you've got some feedback things that you like about what we're doing things that you'd like to see hit us up on the socials at the faction show and let us know all right so there's a lot to get into and it's so ironic because you know it seemed as though the primary news item last week of course was the departure of Cody and Brandy Rhodes from AEW, which absolutely was massive news. But that wasn't the only big piece of news that hit the wrestling circuit. So we're going to talk about as much of that as we can on today's show. Let's start here. Let's start with the announcement of the first inductee into the class of 2022 for the WWE Hall of Fame. That would be The Undertaker. And who really is more qualified to be in the Hall of Fame right now than The Undertaker? You've got seven or eight world title reigns, a Royal Rumble win. I mean, he's done so much in the world of pro wrestling. It's pretty incredible to think about what The Undertaker continues to do in his impact in the world of pro wrestling. Officially retiring in 2020, which I don't think any of us thought was really going to happen, but it happened. He's not returned to the ring, which is amazingly surprising. But with that said, who else deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than The Undertaker? So congratulations to The Undertaker, the first inductee into the 2022 class of the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, there's already conversation saying he should be the lone inductee into this year's Hall of Fame, much like Andre the Giant was back in 1993. I don't know, maybe that should be right now off the top of my head. I can't think of who else goes in there, but I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that The Undertaker should be the lone inductee into the class of 2022? Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show. And if you think there should be other inductees, who do you think they should be? Certainly, we'll be finding out more about this as time progresses, but congratulations. Now, here's something that's different as we talk about WrestleMania weekend. And this is one of the real challenges now of WrestleMania going to a two-day space. Now, I love WrestleMania as a two-day moment. It started, of course, in 2020 with the pandemic. It continued in 2021 with the return of fans for specifically WrestleMania before their official return later that summer. Now I think the WWE has understood the benefits of a two-day WrestleMania. It only makes sense when you have this much talent that you want to display. 
But with that happening, coupled with SmackDown now being on Fridays live on Fox and that obligation, it creates a couple of very interesting moments. What happens to things like the Hall of Fame inductions? This will be the first year where is there really an NXT takeover or nah? What does that look like? So here's what it looks like, which I think it's very, very interesting. So instead of doing the Hall of Fame on Thursday, the Hall of Fame is going to happen Friday night immediately following SmackDown. So if you get your tickets to Friday night SmackDown, you'll automatically have your ticket to the Hall of Fame. And here's how it's going to work. SmackDown will air live on Fox in its normal spot. And then immediately following that, we'll all turn over to the WWE Network on Peacock where we can watch the live Hall of Fame induction ceremony. With that being said, I think the Hall of Fame ceremony is going to have to move relatively quickly. If you've ever been to a Hall of Fame ceremony or if you've ever watched it, they can go kind of long. And this will be the first time that there's been an in-person audience for the Hall of Fame in two years time. Remember 2020, there wasn't really a Hall of Fame ceremony. 2021 saw the classes of 2020 and 2021 inducted, but it was a virtual space. And quite frankly, I wasn't exactly a fan of how they did that Hall of Fame. So how will they do this year? I think we'll all have to find out. Obviously, there will be people, but you can't have this as a four-hour situation off the backs of a two-hour live SmackDown. So this also lends itself to asking the question, how many people do you induct on a night like this? Do you keep their comments to only two to three minutes? I, I don't know. They clearly can't do a seven-person Hall of Fame over two to three hours. It's just going to make for a super long night on top of what's going to be a long wrestling weekend. And here's what I mean by that. Because NXT is actually planning on doing an event. It will not be an NXT TakeOver, but it is NXT Stand and Deliver, which is slated to happen the day of WrestleMania. So earlier in the day, you'll have NXT Stand and Deliver, and then it will be followed by night one of WrestleMania on Saturday. So <laughs> with that said, it's probably a good segue into an NXT conversation. And here's how I want to frame this conversation. About a year or so ago, there was talks of a new NXT show happening, a second NXT show to give other folks who don't get the opportunity to appear on the two-hour NXT broadcast an opportunity to showcase their skills. It made sense given all of the talent that was in NXT. However, we saw what happened with NXT this summer, going through a bit of a gutting of sorts, rebranding, turning it from the third brand into a developmental brand, and now you have this new program, NXT Level Up. NXT Level Up is really, again, kind of the space that they intended for the second NXT show to be, which is the place for the folks who are up and coming, who have not quite made it onto NXT television to have a space to apply their craft. Here's where it's problematic. Besides the fact, number one, that this is how they were using 205 Live in its last few months. So we started seeing women's matches on 205 Live for the first time and other talent whose names you weren't familiar with. 
now with this being NXT level up, here's in essence what you have. You have the developmental show of the developmental show, right? NXT right now being the developmental brand is now considered a step below what's happening on Raw and SmackDown in terms of in-ring content, personalities, name recognition, etc. After all, you're sending over Dolph Ziggler right now to help NXT. But now you add NXT level up, which is the developmentals developmental. I don't know that this is a good idea. I know on one hand, these folks need reps and they need the opportunities in front of the camera. But I don't know how I feel. Well, I do know how I feel about it. Have you tried watching NXT level up lately? Well, the debut episode, of course, was this past Friday night. And, well, interesting times. Interesting times. Let's just say that. But I want to get your thoughts. What do you think about the idea of NXT level up? Let me know. Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, lots of wrestling action happened over the weekend, including not one, but two pay-per-views with international significance. We'll talk about both of them when we return. Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas Bacon here at Southern Honor Wrestling. What Jericho is here and can't watch out it's going on. Oh my god! Give me a minute! Oh man! Over you! Oh! Because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, Wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were going to be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm going to do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Yes. How about that? Oh. 
The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever going to happen here. Lord, a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win and there's a you, there will always be the S-H-W. All right, guys, two big pay-per-views happened this past Saturday as part of an incredible weekend in the world of pro wrestling. So most of you were likely tuned into the Elimination Chamber, which aired live from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia at their Superdome. And here's how it looked. It started off with a pre-show match, Rey Mysterio versus The Miz, which the idea that both Rey Mysterio and Miz are in a pre-show. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. Rey Mysterio, certainly a first ballot Hall of Famer. The Miz, the first ever two-time WWE Grand Slam champion. And they're in the pre-show. Okay. All right. From there, you get Roman Reigns successfully defeating Goldberg by tap out, which, if my memory serves me correctly, could be the first time that Goldberg actually tapped out in his career. I'm sure somebody will fact check me on that one. We also saw Bianca Belair win the Elimination Chamber match by defeating Alexa Bliss, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Dewdrop, and Nikki Ash. Ronda Rousey and Naomi defeated Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. Drew McIntyre defeated Madcap Moss in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Becky Lynch retained the Women's Championship against Lita. The Usos versus the Viking Raiders ended in a no contest. And Brock Lesnar becomes once again the WWE Champion inside of the Elimination Chamber. Lots of news items coming out of this. I will start with Roman Reigns and Goldberg. It was the match we were supposed to see two years ago at WrestleMania that didn't happen thanks to COVID. And so now Roman Reigns, who I think is the best version of Roman Reigns we've ever seen, gets a big win over Goldberg. I don't think anybody was surprised by this outcome, knowing that Goldberg was on the last match of his contract. Him winning the title, which would have been weird, would have meant him going into WrestleMania again as the Universal Champion. For the most part, Saudi Arabia has been good to Goldberg. I mean, he beat Lashley the last time they were over there. He ended the title reign of The Fiend over there. Like, incredible things have happened for Goldberg. He also almost killed The Undertaker over there, so we can't forget that. But with that said, to think that Goldberg uh, lost to Roman Reigns and has lost most of his returning matches... I think that's probably a good thing. It's time for Goldberg to give back to the business, and there was no way that he was defeating this version of Roman Reigns. No way, no how, no chance. But I thought it was a solid match, and again, another great notch on the belt of Roman Reigns. Bianca Belair winning the Elimination Chamber match, I thought was a great, great move. Another great moment for her resume. It says to me that, in my opinion, she's the odds-on favorite going into WrestleMania against Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. 
the cards seem to make a whole lot of sense for this one. Though in the process, we are also seeing the elevation of Rhea Ripley, and I hope we're recognizing that. And it's long overdue, and I'll go so far as to say this. I think a Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley program is the move. We got a little hint of it at Raw last week. I think they need to put pedal to the metal. Let this be the moment that happens post-WrestleMania. Give us this feud. I think it's going to be amazing. Or if you want to ride that one out till SummerSlam because Becky might want a rematch for the Women's Championship, that's cool. But I don't think you waste Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair by giving that to us on Raw or SmackDown. Let's get a good build up to it because I think that's a SummerSlam match for sure that would do incredible things in Nashville at Nissan Stadium. Just my opinion, but I think that's a thing. Ronda Rousey and Naomi defeating Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville. So on one hand, I'm actually very happy that Naomi was in a high-profile match like this. The problem is it feels as though the ceiling has been put on Naomi, as though the best match and the only match we're going to get for her these days for the Women's Championship happened a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown. As amazing of a match as that was, and it was, I think she's in a hot streak right now I think somehow she needs to be in the title match at Wrestlemania I'm sure some folks will disagree with me but here's the thing Naomi out wrestled her partner Ronda Rousey I thought Ronda did not look good this past Saturday night I thought Ronda is not ready for Charlotte Flair at Wrestlemania I don't know what I think about this match. I honestly think Naomi needs to be put into this match to make it a triple threat and to make it something that we'll really want to watch. In terms of marquee name value, sure, people will say Charlotte versus Ronda, but in terms of what's going to happen in the ring, I'm not looking forward to that at all. I'm just not. So Naomi needs to come in, and I think there's a way to do this where Naomi walks out of WrestleMania as the SmackDown Women's Champion. Here's what I think we as fans need to do. I think we as fans need to let our voices be heard about Naomi getting put into this match. I think Naomi and Rhea Ripley right now are building momentum And I think Naomi could have the kind of momentum that Kofi Kingston had. And some might go, that's a far stretch. No, it's not. Because after she showed us what she could do against Charlotte Flair, which, by the way, I believe she's always been able to do. She just needed the opportunity to show us. Now that she's shown us, you cannot leave her in a feud with, of all people, Sonya Deville. The feud itself doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It's gone on far longer than other feuds that deserved the time. So pay Naomi well by putting her in one of the main events of WrestleMania and having her fight for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Just my two cents. Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss. So admittedly, I thought this match would be kind of the bathroom break, right? But what freaked me out, and I think freaked the whole world out, is that Madcap Moss literally was dropped on his head. How he does not have a concussion, and maybe he does right now, how he's not injured, and maybe he is right now, is amazing 
to me. That was something that could paralyze somebody. That was something that could literally kill somebody. I legit think he was working off of adrenaline following that, as we've seen happen with a number of people who take major blows. I'm intrigued to see what he's like. I don't think we'll see him on SmackDown this week. I'm concerned for him because that was a major, major shot he took from Drew McIntyre. And I don't know how it happened, but it was brutal, to say the least. Becky Lynch and Lita, shout out to Lita for getting this match. I, I hope it's not her final match. But she looked great, all things considered, having not had a singles match in some 16 years. Pretty impressive stuff. I think we all knew Becky Lynch was going to walk out as champ, though they gave us a great match as we expected. Someone tell me what happened with the Usos and the Viking Raiders. Why did this end up being a no contest? I, I mean... I maybe and in my head I'm thinking they wanted to keep the show to three hours and this match was going to cause a problem for that because it was running a little long that's what I think we don't know but I'm sure we'll see this match on Smackdown I hope it doesn't go to Wrestlemania but we'll see now the Elimination Chamber match so there's been a lot of controversy people thought Bobby Lashley was kind of done dirty And I could see where some folks would think that. But I think what we're dealing with is something which I I just have to kind of spend a moment and park here. This is partially why I and other folks in the wrestling community have a tough time with the Internet wrestling community. This is a problem where people attempt to know too much. And I think arguably more than any other set of sports fans more than any other set of entertainment fans wrestling fans sometimes can think they know too much for their own good and the obsession with it is problematic now some would say well hey without the internet wrestling community you couldn't do a podcast i'm not saying we need to do away with that by no means but i'm saying that part of what happens sometimes is We think we know so much that all of a sudden we want to say this one feigned an injury and this was a horrible way to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I saw this happen firsthand in Southern Honor just a couple of weeks ago. One of our competitors did a move off of the second rope, landed wrong, and we thought at the moment broke his leg, but he actually tore his meniscus. But it was a nasty fall. The match ended up being stopped. Do you know there are members of the SHW faithful who firstly thought that the injury was a work? Secondly, they went so far as to accuse him of drug use and all of this other stuff. Some fans just don't operate with honor and that needs to be fixed. So with that said, Some didn't want to believe it was a concussion. Some thought it was a horrible way to write him out of the story. Well, we have found out that he is injured. Bobby Lashley is out for four months. Bobby Lashley will miss WrestleMania, which is a horrible thing. But here's the thing. Apparently, he's been working hurt and needed shoulder surgery. And so rather than just bow out, he tried to be involved in the match. I don't know when the shoulder injury happened, but I will say this. We wish Bobby Lashley well. I hate that he will miss WrestleMania. He deserves to walk into WrestleMania as the WWE champion. But here's the deal. There was no way he could go into Mania with shoulder issues. 
So the title had to come off of him. Now, did it have to go into Brock Lesnar? No. Some would even argue, why have Lashley win the championship if he was just going to lose it? I don't know if he was already hurt when he won the championship or not. Don't know. And I don't know that it matters. What matters is Bobby Lashley getting well. What also matters is we've got 40 some odd days to get into WrestleMania. And if you know, like I know, what we all know is the road to WrestleMania can have several winding turns. So we have to ask ourselves, number one, will this match actually happen title for title as Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns? Maybe, maybe not. If it does happen on one night, in my opinion, I think both of them need to defend the title the first night. It's pretty safe to say that title for title will be the Sunday night situation, but should Roman and Brock defend those championships to give us a degree of intrigue into who could enter into the title versus title match? The other big question to ask here is, are we really unifying these championships or is this just a scenario where it's what they could figure as the biggest main event for WrestleMania? I want to get your thoughts on that. So hit us up on the socials and let us know. With that said, and I know we're running a little long, but it's okay because we are, in fact, recapping some pretty big things from over the weekend. I want to talk to you about a pay-per-view that perhaps you may not have been aware of and may not have known, but I think deserves you going back to watch. And that is Impact Wrestling's No Surrender. The pay-per-view aired on Impact Plus and Fight TV. And I will admit to you, it's the first time that I've watched Impact since they have welcomed fans back. And so the first thing I want to say is this. Impact Wrestling with fans is far different than Impact Wrestling without fans. It's just a completely different thing, as most wrestling products are. With that said, they've actually made some pretty significant improvements. One of them starts at the commentary desk. Tom Hannafin formerly known as Tom Phillips from the WWE, is the main guy over there on Impact. He took over for Matt Stryker, who was released. And I will tell you this, say what you want, but there is something safe. There's something safe about when you're watching wrestling, hearing a trusted voice, okay? Hearing a voice that you believe can guide you from here to there. And there's just something about hearing Tom Hannafin, formerly known as Tom Phillips, that brings comfort to me. It brings security to me when I watch this Impact program. And so hearing him in that space, it to me, I, I'm just going to go on and say this. I think he's been underrated in terms of what he can do as a commentator. He worked literally for every brand in WWE, from Raw to SmackDown, NXT, 205 Live, NXT UK. He did them all and did them all with style and grace. So I think adding him to the Impact roster boosts Impact's cachet. It totally does. It aired live from New Orleans, which of course SmackDown was at for the last two weeks, so that's a big deal. But it was a great card. And I think sometimes what happens with Impact is they've had some challenges over time and people just kind of write them off. I think I got to pay a bit more attention to Impact Wrestling. They did an awful lot over the weekend. 
So here's some of the results. So there were two pre-show matches. Trey Miguel, the X Division champion, defeated John Schuyler. And then Havoc defeated Tanil Dashwood. From there in the Fatal 4-Way, Jake Something defeated Chris Bay, Ace Austin, and Mike Bailey. In a great match, Jonah defeated Black Taurus. Then you had Eric Young and Jay White, a first-time matchup. Jay White defeats Eric Young. And let me just go here and say this. It's amazing that Impact brought us two first-time-ever matches. Jay White, the leader of the Bullet Club, against Eric Young, the leader of Violent by Design. Both of these guys have done incredible things in the business. Hard to believe it's their first time crossing. But with that said, understanding Jay White, New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Forbidden Door. For as much as AEW has swung the Forbidden Door open, what Impact has done with the Forbidden Door has been pretty amazing. And I don't think they get the credit they deserve. And let's consider this too. Jay White in a single week appeared on both AEW and Impact Television representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. That is Amazing. So shout out to Jay White. We'll talk about him in just a few minutes yet again. Deanna Perrazzo holds two championships. She is the AAA Reina de Reina champion and the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. So here's another piece about the Forbidden Door. As Ring of Honor, who is actually on hiatus, by the way, shout out to our good friend Caprice Coleman and Ian Riccoboni, who have officially been brought back as part of the commentary team for Ring of Honor, as Ring of Honor will reboot on April the 1st during WrestleMania weekend. That is exciting in and of itself. But the relationship that Ring of Honor and Impact has is also amazing to watch. So shout out to them as the Ring of Honor Women's Championship was defended by Deanna Perrazzo. She successfully defended that title against Miranda Elise. Then Matt Cardona, who is the digital media champion against Jordan Grace, an intergender match, which is a wild one to say the least. But Matt Cardona wins by disqualification. I got to tell you something. Matt Cardona is perhaps the most successful wrestler on the indies right now to come from WWE. What he has done with his career has been absolutely incredible. And now he holds both the Impact Digital Media Championship and the NWA World title. That's massive. So I also think this is interesting that there was no mention of him holding the NWA world title on Impact Wrestling. And I'm sure it could either reflect in the relationship between Impact and the NWA or it just wasn't relevant to being able to bolster the digital media championship. So we have to consider all of that. Either way, great, great work. Now, this is what everybody's talking about. The first time ever match between the Good Brothers and the Gorillas of Destiny, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. The history between these four men is just incredible. And to think that Bullet Club has been going on for nearly a decade, you've got two of the originators of the Bullet Club standing on opposite sides of the ring. You have these two tag teams which have defined wrestling for New Japan Pro Wrestling finally in a ring for the first time battling for of all championships, the Impact Tag Team Championship. This is historic yet again. A first time ever meeting that sees the Good Brothers win after Jay White turns on G.O.D., kicking them out of the Bullet Club and costing them the tag titles. Crazy, crazy, crazy. 
The knockouts title match saw Mickey James defeat Tasha Steeles. A big time match for Tasha Steeles, so congratulations to her. Then you have the Impact World Championship as Moose took on W. Morrissey. Moose gets the win in that one, retaining the title. And then a five man tag match that saw. Honor No More, representatives of Ring of Honor taking on Team Impact. Honor No More wins the match, and then Honor No More gets the opportunity to remain in Impact Wrestling. So let's just kind of look at this very quickly and say this. Impact Wrestling had influences and participation from Ring of Honor and from New Japan Pro Wrestling on the same show. It was amazing. We could credit Impact Wrestling right now for keeping Ring of Honor front of brain in terms of who's on TV, championship representation. This is amazing to watch. And this, I think, is how the Forbidden Door was meant to be used. So with that said, I'm personally committing to bringing more information to you about Impact Wrestling. I hope we'll all commit more to watching Impact because Impact has a great product that I think is being overlooked. And when people are looking for an alternative to what's happening in WWE or even in AEW, I would like to suggest Impact Wrestling which you can check on Access TV Thursday nights. And then, of course, you can also download the Impact Plus streaming service, which has a ton of their pay-per-views, old action, new action, all kinds of things. They're still on Twitch as well, so shout out to Impact Wrestling. All right, guys, I hope you appreciated today's somewhat supersized episode, but it was a big weekend, so I hope you'll give me that leniency. With that said, tonight is Monday Night Raw, the first Raw post Elimination Chamber as we are on the road to WrestleMania. Lots of questions. Hopefully we get some answers tonight. It should be very, very interesting. And stay tuned. We've got a big week planned. Also, in case you missed it, had the opportunity to be a part of a great conversation courtesy of the Women's Wrestling Talk podcast as we talked about the state of black wrestlers. It was pretty amazing. It's available on YouTube. You can check it out. On our Facebook page, check it out there. The link is there. Uh, thanks to all who watched yesterday live, but you can go back and watch the replay. Pretty amazing spaces that we're getting the opportunity to infiltrate. So shout out to TK Trinidad and all of the amazing folks over there, our good friend Mika and everybody there. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right, with that said, we'll get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your President's Day. And until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is GB Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I my people, hip-hop.